The Athletic. Birds saw highest in South Wales. The Cowleys are off to a flyer at Pompey and Preston Nearland, as Alex says, Arriva Dirchin. This is the Totally Football League show in association with Paddy Power. Howdy, listener. Matt Davis Adams here to guide you through another weird and wonderful weekend in the English Football League. Uh, Sam Parkin is back with us. How was your birthday, Sam? Uh, I cried quite a lot. Don't want to be 40, no interest. Um, had a few beers and it was all wrapped up by about 7 pm. So just lockdown living. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're 40 as well, so that's fine. Uh, the linchpin mm. of the pod is back with us again, Adrian Clark. Hey, Adrian Clarky. <laughs> yeah, I've never been called a linchpin before. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll take that. Welcome to the club, <laughs> Sam. Okay, thanks, mate. Also joining us to talk all things championship, he covers the 1973 Daily Express National Five-A-Side Tournament winners Derby County for the Athletic is Ryan Conway. Hi, Ryan. <laughs> Hello, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> there will be a bit of light-hearted joshing between Ryan and I as the podcast goes on. Uh, right, we've got loads to discuss as ever this week, but we'll kick off with this. Performance of the weekend. Yes, it's a simple icebreaker format. 15 seconds. Which team did the best performance this weekend? Adrian Clark, not got a good record at this game. He's pulling at Sam's <laughs> heartstrings, if nothing else. He's gone for Swindon Town. Clarky, your 15 seconds on Swindon starts now. Is the right answer. Yes, Swindon wrecked a few <laughs> Ackers, including my own, uh, with a remarkable 2-0 winner in form Fleetwood. Their first away clean sheet of the blimmin' season. Twinkle-toed twine, bagged a brace. They didn't have a shot on target against them, and they ran the show. Sheridan should <laughs> to walk away every weekend. Sam, have you already voted on Twitter at the Totally Show for Swindon in this poll? No, no, I'm all, I'm all about the team that I'm uh, about to wax lyrical about badly. Okay, well, let's do that now. The team in question is Blackpool. Your 15 seconds start now. Yeah, nine games without a defeat now. Only conceded the three goals in that time. Completely dominated Oxford, particularly uh, before the break. Four players, Yates and Kai Kai Sharp, dangerous in attack. And they carried a constant threat from set pieces where the two goals came from. Up to 10th, three points off the playoffs. Definite dark horses. Mm, pretty good timing there. Now then, Ryan, I think you're the heavy favourite here, not just because you picked the team that have got by far the largest supporter base, uh, thus you're likely to pull more votes, but I think it's the pick. It's Sheffield Wednesday. You've got 15 seconds. They start now. So two shots on target, two goals, two opportunistic goals against a Barnsley team that can best be described as smash mouth. Um, and yeah, they managed to hold on to a win and no team had dropped more points from a winning position than Sheffield Wednesday. So they get a glimmer of hope. Didn't quite hit the timer, but used the word smash mouth, so all good. I thought it was meant to be under the timer. That was succinct. Come on, man. (laughs) (laughs) Meant to be on the timer. I'll show you how it's done now as I round things off with MK Dons. My 15 seconds starts now. The populist polls pick for me this week. Burton have been sensational of late, but MK on a fine run themselves. The third win in a row for Martin's men came after they bossed possession and showed ruthless efficiency, scoring with their only two shots on target. First defeat in eight for Burton. The Dons all of a sudden just five points off the playoffs. See, that was over. That was over. The word playoffs, then the hooter. Can can I just say, Matt, I wanted to cheat this week and pick a performance of the week because I was lucky enough to be at the city ground when, when Norwich were there last week uh, on Wednesday. Norwich first half against Nottingham Forest was the best performance I've seen of any championship team for a long, long, long time. They were they were sensational. What was the resistance uh, like, Clarkie? 
Oh, pathetic. Got yeah, to move on. Anyway, it's yeah. a busy show today. We better uh, <laughs> we better crack on with uh, this weekend's championship headlines, which are Preston Park Company with Alex Neal after winning just two of their last 13. Norwich are held, whilst Watford are the big winners in the promotion race. In the South Wales derby, it was back to winning ways for Cardiff, while Swansea continue their swan dive south. At the bottom, there were big wins for Sheffield Wednesday and Rotherham. And banners flown from planes are back as Birmingham supporters urge the club to get their dong out. Uh, let's start, though, with the news that broke on Sunday. Preston North End have dispensed with the services of Alex Neal. He'd been in charge since the summer of 2017. Uh, firstly, let me be very clear. Alex, I think this is a dreadful decision. You've been massively wronged. Please don't hurt me. Um, that said, Ryan, they've only won one in nine. Maybe all gone a bit stale after that amount of time. So, so possibly fair enough? Yeah, yeah. And I think they've only scored nine goals um, this calendar year, which is the fewest uh, in the championship. You're not going to win many football matches scoring only uh, so, so few goals. You know, they, they, weren't, they, weren't, they were never a, a swashbuckling side. They were efficient, if, if nothing else. But yeah, it's been, it's been a poor start to, to this calendar year. And you press the reset button. We've only got, what, eight games to go. So you, you press it now when you can get a head start on planning for, for, for next season. But it's, it's a shame for Alex Neal because obviously last, last year um, they flirted with the playoffs pre- um, briefly as well. And I think they were second at, at one point. Um, but all managers have their shelf life, don't they? In this defence, Clarkie, it doesn't feel like they ever massively backed him, certainly in, in terms of the transfer market, which makes you think, what were their realistic expectations at a board level from him, other than being a fairly secure mid-table championship side? Yeah, I think this season you've got to cut the clubs some slack, really. I mean, they're all skint, aren't they? That None of them are making any money. So if if a club doesn't show too much ambition in the transfer market, as frustrating as it is, you've kind of got to just accept it I think and, and take it on the chin that that's definitely something he, he could use and say that I didn't I didn't have the funds to strengthen but I, st- I look at the squad and it, it's a pretty strong squad still lack a natural goal scorer of championship quality I think but around the team a lot of good players I just obviously home form was a nightmare failed to score in 10 of their home matches this season. I mean, Preston fans should count their blessings they didn't have to fork out for season tickets. Um, but 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 that's that's been a big problem. But I just think of late, Shades of Karanka just lost a bit of heart. The team's lost confidence. It was just a case of treading water. And, and it's just one of those situations where the club and probably Alex Neal need a change. Uh, amongst the early favourites for the job, Gareth Ainsworth, all the other usual contenders in there, your Harrises, your Appletons, your Mr Stendhal's. Hi, Caroline. Sam, you've come up with uh, with what you feel is a better or more suitable, perhaps, alternative. Yeah, there was a really good um, thread on Twitter. I, I presume it was a Preston fan or a Preston uh, reporter um, just uh, giving a, a list of the potential candidates. And I think it would be strange for Ainsworth or Appleton to go right now um, I think that that timing would be really odd. Great opportunity, though it would be particularly for Gareth Ainsworth. I think it, that would be a really good fit, but I don't think he'd want to leave Wickham before the season was out. Um, but yeah, I saw Callum Davidson on the list, who's a former teammate of mine um, at St. Johnston. Really good bloke, first and foremost, um, and started wonderfully well in his, his life in management. Uh, just won the League Cup with St. Johnston, finished in the top six, which is a... Always a great achievement with that club, with the budget they've got. And I suppose it's a, a well-trodden path as well. He's not Glaswegian, I hasten to add, Callum, but he is 
a Scotsman and um, they seem to like them in the championship. So that may be someone that they look at also. I think he played in the region of 200 games for, for the club as well. Yeah, time will tell with that one there. Let's get to Saturday's action then. And who saw Barnsley's coupon being busted at home by Sheffield Wednesday? A 2-1 win for the Owls at Oakwell, thanks to Jordan Rhodes' brace. Uh, Ryan, you made this your performance of the weekend. Darren Moore needed this, didn't he? It taken a while for the, the first win under him to come. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I watched um, Wednesday go down to, to Norwich a um, couple of weeks ago now. And I thought for the first half, Wednesday were, were really good um, just in terms of keeping Norwich in front of them. They didn't, you know, they had a couple of Larry moments, but good football teams are going to do good football things. So there were signs, though, that they were, they could get results if they weren't playing, playing Norwich. Uh, Barnsley are a really unique team. And, you know, one of the goals comes from a Wednesday throw-in that they then toss in across and Jordan Rhodes gets across his man. And the other one is just a really good opportunistic goal. Um, the fact they managed to hang on as well. Um, I think only Huddersfield have dropped more points from winning positions and it's in the 20s in terms of the points that Wednesday have dropped when when going ahead. So the fact they were able to hold on as well um, was a big, big feather in their cap. You know, they're still massively under the cosh, but it's a it's a glimmer. It's a tiny glimmer of hope. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased for Darren Moore. I, I, think, um, I think he's a, a good manager. I think he's a good dude as well. Um, but yeah, I think that for me, the circumstances of the win you know, all packaged together to create that uh, my, my pick for the performance. And like I said, two shots on target, two goals. That's what you call efficiency. <laughs> and the victory, Adrian, not not just the opposition that they were playing, the divisions form team over the last couple of months, but, but what it does for morale in terms of looking at the league table now, six points behind Birmingham, who are 21st, but with a game in hand, that's got a whole different feel to it, to, to nine points behind them, you know, as they as they could have been. Definitely, yeah. It's not over, no, not not by a long shot. So Sheffield Wednesday will start to believe, no doubt about it. And and if they can defend like they did in this game, which was against an absolute handful, we, we've talked at length about Barnsley and how hard they are to play against. But a back three, Erhagide, Lees and Borna, they just held firm and they showed real, real resilience there's a good stat on Julian Borner he made 20 clearances which is which is more than the entire Barnsley team combined so so yeah it, it, it was a really strong performance they they sort of didn't play that much football uh, get, get it forward to the front guys Callum Patterson Windass Rhodes and and and, and hope for the best but yeah it's a, it's a solid result and, and it'll give them confidence moving forwards they they'll be a tough nut to crack I think in the coming weeks what about Barnsley, Sam? Will Ismail be concerned about this or do you just write it off as, as one bad performance in what's been a, a magnificent six-week period? I think he'd be concerned that, I mean, Ryan could probably answer this as well or add some gravitas to what I'm going to say, but I think Derby and now Sheffield Wednesday are the only two teams in recent memory to play more or less the exact same system against Barnsley and, and try and counteract them that way. And and both have had relevant success. I think Bournemouth and Wickham were the two games in between where they went their own way and obviously got defeated. So maybe that is the blueprint for other clubs. Um, the Derby game at Barnsley was horrific. There was probably a, a little bit more in the game on, on Saturday, but Adrian's right. It was just about the direct running of the Sheffield Wednesday front players. Played 126 long balls to Barnsley's 92. I think that tells a story. But I think the biggest picture is... 
that Barnsley are doing amazingly well and the fixtures are r- relatively kind. They've played all of the top 12 away. So just two games against um, top half teams at Oakwell to go. Yeah, and the last one of those is against Norwich on the last day and they will have been long since promoted by them, one would think. They might have. Um, I was going to say um, Steve Evans's hat on, but we can say Ryan Conway's hat on <laughs> and the flip-flops. Yeah, you can't yeah. see it, listener, but it's a sensational piece of... Uh, Millinery? Is that the right word? Um, that is good if it's, just if, drip. if it's correct. It's just drip. <laughs> I'm, bringing, I'm, br- I'm bringing levels of drip to the Totally Football League Show podcast. I'm, yeah. I'm nodding as if I know what drip is. I was going to say, you're talking to two 40-year-olds and one nearly 40-year-old. We're, we're smiling politely. Um, speaking of dull games involving Derby, there was another one at the Bet365 Stadium this weekend. Had nil-nil written all over it. Jacob Brown, though popped up with the winning goal to stop Ryan from falling asleep. Uh, Let's hear how Ryan described the game first. It's really difficult to know where to start when the game was just so um, sexless. (laughs) Sexless and pointless then for Derby. Seven matches without a win for Wayne Rooney's Rams. Only five points above the relegation zone. Eight games to go. Didn't muster a shot on target. Uh, Ryan, they didn't play very well by the sounds of it. It was f***ing garbage. Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. But it it really was. It it really was that bad. Um, So they they went to what was a a Um, 3-4-3. They they tweaked it a bit because they went 3-5-2 against Brentford in the second half and got back into the game. Um, And they tried to roll with the sort of three-man defence again this time and use the wing-backs as as width. And because Stoke played that way as well, they kind of cancelled each other out. Colin Kazim Richards has been nursing a hip injury for a couple of weeks um, and could barely move. Felt really, really sorry for him out there. He was so isolated. He couldn't press. He didn't have that burst. Um, You know, couldn't really make any sharp movements in the box to get across his man. Um, But even if he'd have done that, it'd have been pointless because there was just no service um, going in there. Louis Sibley was played on the left, and I feel really sorry for him because he, he he's an attacking midfielder that needs to be in the centre of the pitch. Putting him out on the left, he's handcuffed by the touchline there because he wants to have the freedom to go either way. It was just so bad. You've got two number eights in there in Graham Shinney and, and Jason Knight who are, re- you know, they're really good players, but they're functional. They're, they're not going to carve you open from, from deep. And it was just to register five shots against, against Stoke, which is no disrespect to Stoke, but they're a mid-table team who are not exactly watertight at the, at the back. Um, to register just five shots and, and none on target is bad. Can I just ask you, Ryan, what's the feeling among, well, with yourself and with Derby fans on, on Rooney's tinkering? Because it, it seems from the outside looking in, every game is a different formation. Every game there's multiple changes. It, it doesn't seem to me like they're building up any kind of rhythm. Yeah, it's it's strange actually. So, not a fan is the short answer. Um, from by myself or by the by the fans, not a fan of all the all the tinkering and the switches in formation, the changes in personnel, the constant shuffling of the deck. Um, it feels like we've come full circle back to the start of the season with with um Philip Koku, where he would basically do the same. The strange thing is, is obviously when Rooney got the job, he preached simplicity, a simple way of playing, a simple style, a, a formation that you would know and recognize from game to game. And they had success with that. Um, And then he said in a press conference, I think it was before this game, it was before the the Brentford game, where he basically said his philosophy right now is game to game. 
Well, that's not a philosophy. That's that's organized chaos. This is that's just randomness. That that's not an identity of or a philosophy. Um, two other big takeaways from this game. One was yours, which we'll get to in a minute. The other one, you mentioned that CKR effectively playing on one leg. You'd have thought, therefore, that maybe Martin Waghorn would get a game. But if you thought that, then you hadn't been following the story because he's had a fallout with Rooney. Yeah, so um, after the press conference, Rooney had said that Martin's behaviour was um, not acceptable on Friday's training session. He said it was less about the training and more about the behaviour. Um which is slightly strange because on Thursday, on the press conference on Thursday, he said Wycorn had, had been excellent in, in training. And then when he was asked about that again after Friday, he sort of went, yeah, but that was Thursday. Um, so, and Rooney has done this before. Dwayne Holmes was a, was a casualty of it as well, where he was left for left out for footballing reasons. Um, Wayne had said, you know, he can get back into the side with good training. Ten days later, Dwayne was sold to, to Huddersfield. I, I think Martin Wycorn is serving out his, his notice period at Derby. Uh, this needs an explanation. Tweeted at 2.30pm at RJConway92. A lovely steward has gone to collect my hot chocolate and donuts from Greg's after she called me a muppet and said I'd give her headaches. Threw in a sausage roll and a yum-yum for her troubles. Skilled negotiator. Big, big up Lisa. Big up Lisa, the, the Stoke steward, who was wonderful. But on the face of it, this smacks of diva-ism, Ryan. Why, why are you making stewards go and get you Greg's? No, 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 I didn't make her. I didn't make her. <laughs> that, 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 that wasn't what was happening. Um, but it, it was a bit of diva-ism, but I didn't make her go and get it. I was complaining. Um, I asked if there was any, any water or coffee at Stoke, and, and she had said no because of the restrictions. Some stadiums have them, some don't. So I was like, okay, I'll order a coffee. But then I was whinging at the um, £2 delivery charge from um just eat so as she she heard my complaints um and then went and and fetched my gregs and i felt i felt bad for that i i felt bad so i I chucked in um some some goodies she said i remind her of her son and give her headaches because i wouldn't stop moaning (laughs) (laughs) it's definitely the best story to come from the day sam you want to come in on that yeah it's obviously the way to get um free grub because chris from bbc solent whose surname escapes me Skip breakfast um, before the uh, the cup game yesterday. Put it on Twitter, and there was a Domino's waiting for him uh, when he turned up to take the mic. <laughs> right, we just mentioned Greg's Domino's and Just Eat. If any of those companies want to get in touch with producer Abby to give us some free stuff, then please feel free. Uh, I want to get a quick thought, Sam, from you on the Birmingham situation. More specifically, the fact that that Lee Bowyer has gone in there and and left Charlton. Obviously, you've got the inside track on this with your. Um, great paldom with Johnny Jackson, his his assistant at Charlton. What's going on here? Why is he Why is he swapped a team that looked like they might be heading for League One and are bonkers off the pitch for one that finally seems to have some stability? Um, I think that he'd become under increasing scrutiny from the supporters, and I think it felt like from the outside the right time maybe for, for Lee Bowyer to seek a new challenge because you didn't want it to turn sour given the, the history he had with the club A as a player and then of course during that that brilliant promotion season when him and Johnny worked absolute wonders and I think he'll forever be remembered for that now but I think the recent fallings out with players as well probably has not helped his mood in in um impressors and and such like I, th- I felt that the time was probably right and they've had opportunities there's certainly been interest in them I think as a pair in the last year so he showed real loyalty to this point and I just think Birmingham probably 
would be a greater salary, I'm guessing here, uh, and an opportunity to go back to a club which he he served with distinction as well. Um, I'm disappointed at, at Charlton that that Johnny didn't get the job because I think it's four years he's been at it now as a number two, and I know how badly he he wants to do it, and that will happen. I hope in in the long term, and he's in a great position now, and I think he's fortunate in that he's got a, a good bloke coming in. I mean, I don't know Nigel Adkins, but he's obviously had great success in that division. Um, I think he's an astute manager and he seems like a good type as well. So I think the, I think it's worked out okay in the end, but obviously I was a little bit disappointed that he wasn't given the opportunity right now. Yeah, we'll talk more Charlton later. For now, though, I want to move on to Bristol City nil, Rotherham to a sixth successive home de- defeat for Bristol City, beaten by the relegation battlers. Rotherham recorded 25 positive COVID tests last week. Paul Warren was at home isolating. Um, Clark, spirit is an abstract concept, can't really be measured, but Rotherham seems to have quite a lot of it. Oh, this, I mean, I didn't want to take away performance of the weekend from Swindon once I committed to it <laughs> on the WhatsApp group, but, but Rotherham would have been my next choice. Just because of that context. Um, I'll admit, I had a bet on Bristol City in this game because I fancied them really, really strongly because of the COVID issue. And and we we know that it can affect players in different ways. So this was a quite remarkable performance. They were physical. They they, they got the better of Bristol City in that department. We know that they're they're dogged and, and, and really disciplined as a team. And they fully deserved... To win the game, you know, it was a really strong performance from from Rotherham, and and it's the kind of display, the kind of win. Even though Bristol City are rubbish at home, we we know that um, the kind of performance that will surely give them the, the optimism now that they'll 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 steer clear of relegation. That those four games in hand, you've got to back them to win. Maybe two of them. I mean, they're, 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 yeah, they're, especially against the the sides in the lower half, they've they've got a pretty good record this season, Rotherham. And uh, yeah, just I just like the look of their team. Wing Barlasa Crooks in the engine room did a great job in this game. So yeah, fantastic from from Rotherham's point of view, given the circumstances. Ryan, you're not convinced. They've got eight matches in 26 days. It's a big old ask. Yeah, I was I was more sh- shaking my head that um, they'll stay clear of relegation because I was like, no, no, like the team I cover also needs to stay clear of it as well. So what are you doing, Adrian? Uh- well, they've got they've got Coventry, Birmingham, at Wickham at home. Now, for, for me, they, they they're absolutely winnable games, and and I've also looked at some of their other fixtures. A lot of potential beach teams: Blackburn, QPR, Millwall, Luton, Borough. Teams that might not have that much to play for soon. So there's a lot of winnable games, I think, for, for the Millers. Yeah, and they've got eight eight games in, in April coming up because of obviously all the rearranged fixtures and stuff like that. And I think their squad is quite um quite small. Um mm. that'll be I mean, that'll be the real acid test is if you can get through that without just capitulating towards the back end of, of that run. You know, it's a, it's a lot of games in such a short space of time. How do you, how do you rotate? You know, what's the, the rest period going to be like? What are you going to work on at the, on the training ground, you know, tailored specific to your, to the opposition. Now, you know, I, I, I hate Rotherham because I actually quite enjoy them. <laughs> the, the, the games I've watched them play and obviously more notably closely watching them against Derby. They they tend to set these really nice pressing traps where you you think you're safe and then they just hit you with this high press across 
um, across the front and with them being really with them flooding the middle of the park that sort of three five two system they make it so difficult for you to 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 play through but i sadly i agree with adrian they've they've absolutely got a fighting chance to to get out of it and look they only need to win two of those games in hand to really put the heat on derby and coventry and, and, and birmingham um and they're, they're forest. definitely and for and forest and even huddersfield you throw huddersfield in there as 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 well um they're definitely they're definitely doable and i don't like it it makes me uncomfortable <laughs> um, Sam, we mentioned all those candidates for the Preston job. Paul Warren wasn't amongst them. Whether they stay up or not, do you think that there's a possibility that championship teams with slightly loftier ambitions might start looking at him because it feels like he's he's done one of the best managerial jobs in the division this season? Yeah, yeah, quite possibly. It's I, I suppose it's um, transferring his his skills and his his tactical. Uh, awareness to to better players if that if that makes sense you know more high profile players players that are on more money all those type of players with egos all that comes into hand and obviously Gareth Ainsworth I put in the same bracket as Paul Warren because they they play quite uncompromising football um, it's all about togetherness it's a bit left field some of Paul Warren's stuff which is brilliant and he's a he's one of the most open talkers uh, to the press, which I love. I don't understand why they're not all like that. So I've got huge respect for him. But it's whether um, someone with a bigger budget and aspirations of getting in the Premier League would go for someone who has played, I, I suppose, a, a, a robust you know way of playing, set pieces, big men up front. I mean, um, Nigel Pearson compared them to a basketball team at the weekend, which was. Probably a little bit unnecessary, but you know, shows what Rotherham are actually like when you're facing up against them, and also shows uh, Bristol City's inadequacies, uh, which was, um, me and Clark have spoken about often this season. It was interesting. Nigel Pearson basically bemoaned. He basically called his team too small, didn't he? After the game, <laughs> so he's blaming sort of diminutive Lee Johnson for for <laughs> constructing a diminutive team in his own mould so yeah I think I think if you're under five foot ten and at Ashton Gate in a minute out of contract you're probably sweating a little bit Ryan one thing we haven't mentioned much in in terms of the relegation scrap a a Coventry I don't know why we haven't spent much time counting them in the fight but they very much are aren't they just a point above Birmingham couldn't beat Wickham at the weekend that's not a great sign Uh, no no it's not they're a a strange team Coventry I do do quite enjoy them Um, because I think the midfield pairing of uh, Gustavo Hamer and um, Matty James are, are really, really good. And they, they're another team that set quite nice um, pressing traps and then they, they spring on the counter really well. But they're just, they concede a lot of goals and they themselves aren't exactly free-flowing. I think they've, they've scored 32 this season, um, which is, you know, bottom bottom five, I, I think it is, in the championship. Um, but I, I think I think they might have enough quality to just about stay up and their running is rather kind as well if you want to you know term any game in the championship kind the the set of fixtures isn't as brutal as like for example Birmingham's and even Derby have got a couple of games that they could get something from and then oh it's Norwich and then they've got a few more and then you're going to Swansea whereas Coventry don't really have that I think they've got a a nice way if you want one to to end the season and I I think I think they'll just about be safe. I like the, I like the makeup of their midfield. Um, they 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 transition in attacks pretty well, um, and yeah, I think I think they'll just about be just about be fine. 
good news for fans of Segways. This is where I'm going to bring in producer Abby to talk about the odds for relegation in the championship as set by our sponsor, Paddy Power. Uh, Abby, Wickham, I bet they're about one to 500. But what about everybody else? Uh, Wickham are not even on the web page. You can't bet on them <laughs> to be relegated. I think they did reach like one to a uh, thousand at one point. But anyway, uh, Sheffield Wednesday are one to nine to be relegated. Birmingham five to six. Those are the only two that are odds on. Uh, Rotherham then 23 to 10. And then we come to Coventry and Derby, who are both nine to two to be relegated. Interestingly, we've got Preston in here at 22 to one. Um, so managerial change affecting Paddy Power, perhaps, and uh, one at Nottingham Forest at 35 to 1. Wow. That's, um, yeah, okay. We'll take that. Thanks very much. All right, Ryan, we're bidding you farewell at this point. Don't worry, I'm sure you'll have plenty of opportunity to talk about League One stuff next season. <laughs> because Derby might get relegated, you see. That's the joke. Um, thanks for joining us. I would say good luck for the rest of the season, personally, if not professionally, but it's been a pleasure having you. Why do you always choose violence, Matt? <laughs> because always, I'm a bitter. You always, choose, you always choose violence. It's not. It's not violence. It's just. It's just good. Good natured, Josh. Isn't it the anniversary of something to do with Brian Clough yesterday? <laughs> I saw some nice tributes. Can't you just be friends? Would have been his birthday. Yeah. Yeah. Can't I hate you be friends, you, Matt Davis Adams. I don't like you very much. Can <laughs> you unite you, over you, old you, big you guys, Ed? you guys aren't safe either. You know, you get sucked back into the relegation playoff with your. You know, you could fill the city ground with all the players you have in your squad. That would be good, wouldn't it? <laughs> Matt, can you just be nicer to the guests? You know, we, we, we like Ryan. We want him to come back. Listen, I like Ryan a lot. I just just think he's a, a good man with a bad job. Um, <laughs> but that's fine. Uh, Ryan, we love you. We'll speak to you again very soon. Thanks for having me on, guys. Pleasure as always. Bye. Place your bets. Welcome to Pet Roulette. Ta, I'm feeling confident today, me. So your selection, sir. To start off from blue number nine and ten. Seventeen as well, just behind the front two. Good luck, sir. Blue number seven, unlucky, sir. Sterling, he started last week. Predicting Pep's lineups can be tricky these days, but fortunately, with Paddy Power's Acker offer, if you don't get one leg of your four plus fold Acker right, we'll give you your money back as a free bet. Paddy Power. Max free bet ten pounds, mid on twenty five on each leg. On an exclusive exclude shop bets excludes enhanced match odds season season play eighteen plus be gambleaware.org. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker and now ad-free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Football League Show with Matt Davis-Adams. League One headlines. Cowley gets Pompey playing up. Nigel Atkins is back. His Charlton side got two goals on Saturday, which according to Nigel's Twitter is one fewer than you need today, listener. Now, what's your three goals for the day? Rochdale are back. High scoring, high conceding. You love to see it. All the teams in the automatic and playoff positions drew. Boring. While Swindon were the only team in the bottom six to stick a W next to their name. Two points separate them in 19th and Dale in 24th. We'll start at the other end of the table, though. Portsmouth 2, Ipswich 1. On Friday, Danny Cowley became Pompey boss. Just a day later, he took charge of his new troops for the first time, overseeing a 2-1 victory against the Tractor Boys. It was the Vistas who took the lead through James Norwood, but goals from Ronan Curtis and Marcus Harness gave NCDC their first win as Pompey bosses. That is lovely scripting, Abby. NCDC, that is right. I mean, don't know what a drip is, but I certainly get a, an 80s rock reference. Um, <laughs> Adrian, my first thought here was... A, Cowley and Portsmouth just for some reason seem like a good fit, but also might he be thinking, hmm, could have held on and got the Preston job. It, it, it seems <laughs> like he wanted a championship one rather than a league one, which is a very obvious thing to say, but you take my yeah. point. I do take your point and I'll roll with it. 
the um, <laughs> I think that Cowley and Cook were both pretty unlucky not to get championship jobs. I think I think they were more than more than good enough to 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 get a job like a Preston or or some of the other ones that have come and gone. But but they've landed in two really strong uh, League One clubs with huge fan bases, two clubs with great potential. Um, who who should feel grateful to have them? In, in my opinion, I, I'm a big fan of, of both. I do. I like the Cowleys. I, th- I think they they really understand football. So hardworking. They've earned it. That's what I love about the Cowleys. They started off, didn't they, in, in Essex? Was it Concord Rangers? It's it's an amazing story, and and they've got there through graft and the acquisition of knowledge, and and just learning as they went. And 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 look where they are now, Portsmouth. What a job that is for them. Um, and and I wish them the best of luck. I think they'll get a tune out of the players. It, it feels like Kenny Jacket. It, it just got a bit stale. Uh, that can happen. Same voice, same tactics for too long. So having someone with fresh ideas will re-energize them. It will get it will get the likes of Ronan Curtis going. I'm sure. And uh, like it did at the weekend, and and yeah, Pompey, as we've discussed at length, have a squad that's good enough to get get promoted. So, could turn out to be an inspired appointment. That, and and as Cowley said himself, Sam, in the in the post match, a, a massive bonus for him to be able to to get a period off now over the international break. They haven't got a game coming up this week, so so he can spend some time on on the training pitch with them and moulding them into the the image that he wants. Definitely. Um... For both managers concerned here, um, I thought that Portsmouth looked like they'd picked up Danny Cowley's method straight away. Um, I think it was, you know, it wasn't loads of, of difference, but certainly played with um, a quicker tempo, nice quick passing, tried to play out as well, which is, you know, what Adrian's just talking about there. They really got pigeonholed a few years ago as just a direct team because they played that way with Lincoln for a couple of seasons, but obviously they. They tried to evolve laterally at Lincoln, uh, played slightly differently at Huddersfield, and I spent a bit of time of, with Nicky on a uh, on a show for a game recently, and really enjoyed his company. Deep thinker about the game. Um, I think they'll do brilliantly, um, and recovered well at the weekend because Ipswich were by far the better side. I thought before before the break, uh, I just wanted to yeah. Building up to the game, I was out. Um, pushing the baby about and uh, I didn't want to listen to Bournemouth Southampton it was uh, just, I just it didn't grab me at all on Saturday morning so I ended up listening to the build up to Portsmouth Ipswich on BBC Suffolk and uh, don't know don't ask me why but Paul Cook big interview and I think he's got a bigger challenge than he realised uh, I think there's a lot of work to be done at Ipswich and at the moment, I think he's been asked the same questions week after week. You know, there's been a few poor performances already under his tenure and he can't really give an answer other than he needs time on the training ground and needs to get his methods into these players who have got bad habits. So that is very much a work in progress. I expect Portsmouth, on the other hand, to finish much stronger. Obviously, Paul Cook, Clark, he was the, was the Pompey manager and successfully so led them to the League Two title. But you look at those two jobs in isolation... And Ipswich, you know, historically they possibly would say they're a, they're a bigger club, but Portsmouth's a more stable club, isn't it? So that that's probably the more appealing of the of the two jobs. Yeah, I think they're both good jobs. I, I really do. Yeah, obviously the the ownership issue is a little bit up in the air at Ipswich. 
But what they've got is a really good academy and they've got excellent young players that, that will get better. Um, they've got a proper striker in James Norwood. I think if they can keep him fit, he'll, he will score goals. Yeah, it's just, he spoke, didn't he, at the weekend afterwards about not being mentally at the right level, just a little bit mentally soft. And 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 yeah, he's, he's just going to have to toughen them up, but that you can't, you can't do that overnight. I'm just looking at, thinking about their run in Ipswich. I think eight of the 11 are against teams in the bottom third. Now, it doesn't mean they're easy games, but but they are games that, that, that they should be on the front foot in, chasing the playoffs. Will he go to, to two up top? It's not really his thing. He's, he's always been more of a 4-2-3-1 man cookie, but it, it just might be the right time to to just throw a little bit of caution to the wind and, and try something different. It just feels like attack might be the best form of defence between now and the end of the season. And I think Ipswich fans would, would love to see it, even if even if they just about failed, just to, just to have a real go. Yeah, and like Portsmouth, no midweek game for them, so they've got a full week building up to their next matches on Saturday. Uh, let's go to Rochdale 3, Peterborough 3. Peterborough in bright pink with 2-0 up at the break. However, in the 90th minute, Rochdale turned it round to lead 3-2, only to then concede an injury time penalty and mean that it finished... 3-3 and also mean that Rochdale have won a grand total of one home game all season. But Sam, this does give them uh, give them a bit of momentum having got a result against a, a promotion chaser. They they needed uh, they needed some positivity and this will hopefully provide it. Yeah, they they've shown on, you know, a number of occasions this season um if you you put aside the last few weeks when they couldn't score for love nor money, but they've shown real spirit to come back from from deficits multiple times and I, I felt they did this again in this game they're much better Rochdale when they put opposition teams under pressure and put the ball in the in the box and certainly um you know went that way at the weekend but yeah some some really good goals in this game as well Dembele's was obviously an an absolute peach um but yeah, it'll, it'll probably go down to the wire for Rochdale. They have to improve at home. They have to get um, Lund back, who was a, a revelation when we were speaking about Rochdale uh, a, a few weeks ago. And the biggest thing, the biggest problem uh, to take away from this game is that Humphreys left injured, who, when I've seen in the flesh this season, looks like a really good player. Uh, someone who I wouldn't imagine will be at Rochdale next season. I've been that impressed with him. So... If he doesn't recover quickly, um, you know, it's going to be difficult for them to get away from trouble. What's going on with Posh, Clarkie? They've gone from six wins in a row to one win in five. Not defending as well as they were, that's for sure. Um, sort of flitted between a back four and a back three. The keeper's had a bad bad patch as well, and, and, and that can make a difference, can't it? If your goalie's out of form, and Christy Pym is, is a pretty good keeper at League One level. I'd say he was one of the better ones, but he's made a few... A few rickets lately, and it's cost goals. And if the goalkeeper costs you goals; it'll cost cost you points, won't it? So I think I think that's the crux of it. Not not defending, not just the keeper, just not defending well enough as a team at the moment. They definitely got flustered, as Sam said, when Ro- when Rochdale decided to just put balls into the box. They forced errors, so that's a, that's a slight worry, I think, for for Darren Ferguson moving forward. I, I just I don't know if they're secure enough in that department to go top two, Peterborough. I just wonder whether they might be a playoff team this year. Um, yeah, there's only so many games you can you can give away, to, you know, a couple of goals and, and still win. 
We mentioned Nigel Adkins is the new manager of Charlton. Adkins Addicts began with a 2-2 draw at relegation-threatened Wimbledon. Um, we've heard what, what Sam thinks about this this briefly. Adrian, Nigel Adkins has, has been out of work for, for a little while. He obviously interviewed quite well. And I was interested to hear Thomas Sangard say that the process of picking a manager started six to eight weeks ago, which suggests that they had an inkling that Lee Bowyer might be on his way out. Is this the, the right man to come in and replace him? Well, it's good that Lee gave them a heads up, isn't it? Oh, that's, <laughs> that is a really strange thing to hear, isn't it? Um, going to sack him, wouldn't he, obviously? Mm. <laughs> they, must have, they must have been about to sack him, yeah. Um, very odd. Um, in terms of, of the appointment, yeah, I, I, why not? He, he's got a pretty good track record, hasn't he? He, um, yeah, I, I quite like him. I do I do quite like him. It's, it's how he gels with the, with the players, of course. He's... That style of manager is obviously a very motivational type of person we see from his sort of Twitter updates. He's, he's into his psychology and, and, and sort of sound bites and stuff like that. There'll be a, lot, there'll be a number of players that, that just aren't into that. They're not feeling it and they might just think, not for me. But but hopefully that Johnny Jackson can, can balance that that dynamic out a little bit and that they'll, that they'll work, work well together. They've got good players, haven't they? And you saw that with the weekend. Jai Simi coming off the bench to, to make an impact. Um, Stockley's been a great signing from January. Matson and, and Miller down the left, really dynamic. Forster and Forster, Kasky and Shinny in midfield. I mean, these, these are all good little partnerships around the, around the pitch. He's got quite a lot, lot of good stuff to work with. Just got to cut out those mistakes at the back and there was a shocker, wasn't there? I mean, Sam, <laughs> I mean, if you're uh, Akin Fumewo, you, you, you're expecting a, a right old rollicking, aren't you, after that one? Yeah, I, I, I listened to um, Nigel Adkins post-match and uh, yeah, for someone taking their first game, he had, it seemed a lot on his mind, you know, a lot that he wasn't <laughs> pleased about. Obviously, defensively, there's been, I think, a catalogue of those this season for for Charlton, we you think back to that one in the in the playoff final two years ago, the one that slipped under Dylan Phillips's his feet. But yeah, Lee Bowie has had to get used to that, unfortunately. And yeah, I thought it was interesting the weekend because they had that early injury to Washington, and instead of bringing on, I think I presume Anike was on the bench. Instead of going like for like, they changed the system because of Wimbledon had started with a diamond, and then Charlton changed again in the second half. So they had to look at three different shapes, and still. I thought Wimbledon were the better side in the second half. So a lot of food for thought, I suppose. But as as Clarkie says, they've got good players. Forster Kasky's um, Rolls-Royce at the moment. I think that was Miller's best performance. He's really flattered to deceive when I've seen him live, but he made the two goals. So loads for him to to work with. And um, I think it's a good appointment. Obviously, I, I said my piece earlier, but I think Nigel Adkins, you know, pound for pound is is right up there for a League One manager. Yeah, and as for Wimbledon, still struggling to, to win at home, but probably pleased to get a draw against the side. Chasing the playoffs and looking for a new manager bounce. OK, let's get some odds courtesy of Paddy Power with producer Abby. No championship action midweek, but it's not going to stop us building an acker. Uh, Sam, your pick for said accumulator comes from League One. Please tell us what it is. It is Burton... And Shrewsbury, I think that's the right way around, under 2.5 goals. I'm not confident enough to give you a winner of any matches, but I am confident doing this recently. I think I've hit a few few of these right on the nose. Um, and I've got a load of stuff scribbled down in front of me, but I did it uh, real haste, so I don't really understand it. But only three teams have scored less than Shrewsbury. I can give you that. 
That's definitely correct. And the last time these two played, it was 1-1 on the 3rd of November. And again, Burton, apart from at the weekend, are the best defence in uh, mainland Europe and <laughs> Ireland's. <laughs> Mainland Europe was an interesting way of describing it, but 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 I'm here for it. Uh, Abby, give us some odds on that bet, please. I really hope that the uh, podcasters at Brusher Munch and Gladbach also describe Burton as the best defence in Mainland <laughs> Europe, uh, not Mainland Europe anyway. Uh, move on. Uh, there, yeah, <laughs> under two point five goals between Burton and Shrewsbury is six to ten to happen. If you did want uh, to pick a winner, then Burton are the favourites. They are fi- five to four to beat Shrewsbury with Shrewsbury nine to four, uh, and the draw twenty one to ten. Uh, so if under two and a half goals is the classic parking pick, then I think I'm getting a reputation as the both teams to score guy. And I'm going for that again in the game between Blackpool and Peterborough. What will you give me on that, please, Abby? Equally, both teams to score, yes and no. Both come out as uh, 17 to 20. Uh, so yes, 17 to 20. And uh, Blackpool are 9 to 5 to win this one with Peterborough 6 to 4 and the draw 11 to 5. Can I ask you to put those as a double? You can ask me to do that. And I will tell you. That if you just want to bet on League One, that is two to one. Okay, a uh, quick bit about relegation too. It says here. Yes, I've been looking at the relegation um, odds from Paddy Power, and there are six teams that are odds on to get relegated, and that does not make sense mathematically because there's only four places available. Um, but if I quickly run through those <laughs> for those odds for you at the moment, then Rochdale, who are bottom of the table, they're one to seven. Then it's Wigan, who are two to five. Also. Northampton 2-5 to five, and Swindon 4-9. to nine. So those are the four most likely teams calling to Paddy Power to get relegated. We then get Bristol Rovers at 8-15 and Wimbledon are 8-11. to 11. Smashing. League 2 is our final port of call. We'll be there in a few This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. This is the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. League Two headlines. After a big week at Cheltenham for Sam, possibly, it was a good week for the tabletoppers of the town who beat Salford at the Johnny Rocks. In the second v third battle, Big Wes Houlihan laid the smackdown on FGR. And in a first for Newport, possibly football as well, Joe Ledley's beard has been sponsored. The Wales International joined the club last week. Are we going to start, though, at the bottom? Because Adrian had his heart broken on Saturday. Barrow 3, Crawley 2. Uh, just take us through those final few minutes uh, with the games involving Barrow and Southend, please, Clarky. It was horrible. Yeah, it was absolutely... Um, it was awful. I, I was away from a TV or a radio at the point, so so I was sort of unaware until afterwards. And I'd only stepped away briefly, at, at which point Southend were winning, Barrow were drawing, so Southend had, had, had effectively closed the gap to three points. And then suddenly Southend concede in the last minute and Barrow get themselves a 96th minute Winner and the gap is seven points between Southend and Barrow. So yeah, real, real heartbreak for for Southend and and but but what I would like to say is, is well done to Barrow because it, they chased the win, they went for it. It's easy, isn't it? Oh, two apiece at home to Crawley, that would do. But every point, every point's valuable. No, Rob Kelly's team kept on going, kept on going, and 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 they won a cracking match. Um, by three goals to two. All three goals from set pieces. Obviously, one was a penalty that was won via a set piece. But yeah, it's it's goals like that 
cheap goals like that that Southend have not been able to to conjure up enough of this season. They score worldies, they, they but 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 they don't they just don't score enough. They don't score enough scrappy goals. Just fourteen goals in open play all season. Southend twenty two all season. It's come to crunch time. They need to they need to sort of um, win matches and win them fast. On Barrow, Sam, they've had a couple of goes at getting the right manager and it looks like it might be a case of third time's a charm for them. Rob Kelly, vastly experienced coach, more, more used to being the number two, but he's doing a fantastic job there so far, four wins in a row. Yeah, absolutely incredible transformation. Um, I think I spoke about him a few weeks ago, like really varied career, vastly experienced and yeah, absolutely brilliant. Four straight league wins. I mean, to achieve that in your, your first year up is some, some achievement and, and Clarkie's bang on. Um, really went for it at the death the other day, a point against Crawley, a, a decent mid-table Crawley side's not a bad result. And um, Glenn Morris made an amazing save actually from Quigley just prior to the um, the corner being full stone. Uh, Glenn Morris, who is the cat uh, nicknamed, uh, which was, I think, Peter Bonetti's nickname was it? And mm, probably every goalkeeper since. Uh, but I just quite enjoyed it because I swear, I've probably said this on this podcast before, I played with him at Orient. I've never known his name. I thought he was just. The, I thought he was just a cat. And then about. And then about. It was 15, a great save. And then about fifteen years. About fifteen years later, I saw that he was still playing for Crawley, and I was like, "Oh, there's cat." Um, but yeah, yeah, brilliant. And um, I, I wasn't aware that Barrow had such good experience as well. Erdley, who had a really good career, Ollie Banks is there now, and uh, Jason Taylor as well. So. Some players with some some nous and uh, a manager now in, in in charge who undoubtedly it looks like maybe given the, uh, the the main gig. And one one other thing, Matt, he he was able to rotate. They they went big in January, remember, in terms of signing players. Barrow um, signed, signed loads, and that I think's paying off now because they went to Cheltenham, tough game, but they win two 0 You think, well, he keep the same team, but no. Given the circumstances, the travel, he's freshened it up with I think three or four different players, and they've gone again and and, and won a won a tough game against Crawley. And again, going back to Southend, the recruitment just an absolute shambles really um, for for a couple of years, and uh, and I think they're paying a, a, a well paying the, the heaviest price for that now. Last game I want to touch on is Tranmere 2, Exeter 1. Been a busy old week for Tranmere and they've got some momentum. Yeah, and um, they've been missing their, their talisman, uh, James Vaughan, throughout all of this. So this is a, a really good result. Quite a grubby win, I'd probably say. I don't think they, they fully deserved it. And obviously a couple of contentious penalties as well. But what I will say is... I really like this Tranmere team and Tranmere squad when I've seen them in the flesh. This is quite a uh, a side that are adaptable. They play quite sophisticated shapes at times. They've play, been playing with a false nine, Lewis, on occasions. Um, it was, a, I think, 4-2-3-1 at the weekend and Nugent got the nod. So he's just going to be, I would imagine, an impact player moving forward, but came in, got himself a goal. And Danny Lloyd, who's another real talented forward, came on and got the other one. But... Um, this is the type of game that Exeter have maybe just grown slightly accustomed to losing this season. Um, but yeah, great victory for Tramin nonetheless. And they've got a real chance, I, I would say, considering they've played big games, big pressure games, Wembley finals, um, playoff finals, and got good experience as well. 
Yeah, Sam's absolutely bang on when he says it's the kind of game that they've grown used to losing. Not beating anyone away from home that's in the top half this season, Exeter. And when you're a, you're a playoff chase inside, that's not a great sign, is it? And, and they've never they've never strung three wins together either. We've just seen, just talked about Barrow going four, four on the trot. Exeter have only got to two. So again, they've just not been able to, to, to string anything together. So... For me, yeah, just just not quite robust enough. And it was fascinating afterwards. Keith Hill said he rates this Exeter team as a League One team, and he thinks that they would do better in in some respects in League One than League Two because of the talent that they've got. But, but obviously, getting out of this division is um, it's proving quite problematic, isn't it, for the Grecians? Yeah, not all bad news for them this week. They're David Ornstein pointing out in his athletic column on Monday that Exeter will get 150 grand if Ollie Watkins plays for England over the international break as part of the deal that they struck with Brentford when he moved there. They'll also get £150,000 because Villa won't get relegated this season. So a nice little windfall for them there. Speaking of windfalls, that's what you'll get if uh, Aka comes in and you bet on it. Um, Adrian, your pick for said bet comes from League Two. Yeah, absolutely heart overhead here. So I apologise if this is the one that, that, that falls down on us this, this week. But I'm going for Southend. I'm going for Southend to beat Wolves. So it's come to the crunch time. They've got to go for the win. Can't These nil-nil draws aren't, aren't going to, to cut it anymore. Pressure's on. The heartbreak from the weekend. I'm hoping that it will it will fire them up to to deliver a, a big performance just, just when they kind of need it. And Wolves will, will be be gutted because they threw away a lead at, at Bolton last time out and, and they might be a little bit fed up. So so I'm going to go with Southend to get that three points that they need, please. Abby, what are the odds on that? Yeah, this is quite hefty. This is 21 <laughs> to 10 for Southend to beat Walsall. Walsall are the favourites in this one, uh, 13 to 10. Uh, now, via the magic of audio, we can welcome back Ryan Conway for his Acker pick. Yeah, I'm picking Exeter to be Oldham Athletic. Um my hometown team of Oldham, who I weep for, and but Exeter are going good at the minute and Oldham are, I just fear for the man. I don't think they'll get anything out of that game. Uh, Abby, is Ryan's fear well-placed according to the odds? It is indeed. The Oldham are 3-1 to one to win this game, whilst Exeter are odds-on 4-5 to five, and the draw coming in at 13-5. to five. Um, Put that all together and we get our ACA result of... 15.52 to 1. Um, just so we're all aware of how much of an impact Clarkey's bet has had on uh, the ACA the as a treble, it's just 4 to 1. And now it's 15.52 to 1. <laughs> Quite big. Well, we'll all be spending our winnings buying you a drink if it comes in, Clarkey. Uh, that's, that's for sure. You can find out these odds and more on the Paddy Power app or paddypower.com. It's over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. And when the fun stops, stop. And wouldn't you just know it, just after we finished recording, Salford City announced that they had parted company with Richie Wellens by mutual consent in a very terse statement. More on that on Extra Time with George and Ali on Thursday. Okay, we're just about done for this week. I'm going to throw this one on your blind though, guys, before we go. Um, We've all been enjoying Nigel Adkins' uh, Twitter motivational talks. His one this morning, that is Monday, says that we should all have three goals for ourselves for the day. I just want one. Clarky, what's your goal for the rest of the day? (laughs) My goal 
is to tr to not throw my broadband router out of the window because it keeps dropping out every single day and I'm sick of it and I just need to c contain my temper and I'll be really proud of myself if I can. <laughs> we'll give you an update on that one next week, listener. Um, how about you, Sam? Goal for the day, find another obscure BBC local radio station to, to tune in for, for for coverage of a League Two side? I am about to go for a wander. Um, probably not leave the house without everything I need to change my baby's backside if he is to go because I don't want to be in a park without baby wipes. Yeah, you find that out the hard way. It's a mistake you only make once. Mine is is also parent-related. I'm going to try and convince my son that other people can choose the animals that might be present on old McDonald's farm because he's running it a bit like a dictatorship at the moment and it's not good. Uh, speaking of which, we will be back next week. Abby will be back on Thursday with George and Ali for extra time. Join them if you can and be back with us next week. Until then, stay safe. Bye for now. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and by following at the Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Totally Football League Show is a Muddy Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power. Finding it difficult to get off to sleep? Well, you are not alone. After a long day of zoom, doom and gloom, it's hard to relax and just drop off. Maybe you need a bedtime story. I know. There's a lot of them out there. They ask you to imagine that you're laying on a lily of contentedness, drifting upon a lake of calm, holding hands with the otter of placidity. Our one isn't like that. It's a football bedtime story, and it sounds like this. When Brian Clough arrived at Nottingham Forest in January 1975, they were a mediocre provincial club whose most recent success was winning the FA Cup in 1959. But they were 13th in the old second division now. Clough, too, was damaged goods. So give it a go tonight. Subscribe to Football Bedtime Stories on your favourite podcast provider now. The Athletic.